Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. I'm Katie Griffin, and I am the director of um, children. I had, I had to think there for a second. I'm the director of children and family ministry here at Highlands Church, and it is a great pleasure to be with you here this morning. Um, I just, uh, I'm, I'm never really up here. You might occasionally see me walking up here for baptisms and things like that, but I'm jamming up, and I'm jamming right back down, and so my way up, you know, I'm enjoying everything. I'm like, wow, it's a little bit of freedom, and I'm walking upstairs, and I smell the smell and I'm like what is that and I was like what they have coffee up here and pastries what is that I'm like downstairs having soaked Dixie cups of water with things floating in it and goldfish and I'm fighting over it with a three-year-old that's my goldfish and he's like that's my goldfish okay you can have it (laughs) and you know it's just um it is so cool to be here this morning um I truly love um, being downstairs with the kids. Um, they are such a blessing to me and to see how each one of them are so uniquely made by God and all their different qualities, their strengths, everything. I just love doing, doing children's ministry and, and uh, being, um, being down there and having a ball with them. Um, one of the little hazards, though, of me speaking speaking up here is I usually preach down there and I've got a little stage if you ever want to come see it or hang out you're more than welcome but we got a little stage a little mock of big church we call it little church down there and um and when I'm preaching I tend do have kids that try to escape from the doors and that you know <laughs> and so if any of you plan on leaving to this service and I might yell out where do you think you're going it's not I'm sorry it's just a hazard from downstairs okay alrighty so anyway so we've been in the building now for that's oh, our church we've been in a building now for one year and it is um, has been a blessing it's been really awesome and as I was preparing for, you know, what God wanted you all to hear this morning, I was thinking, and it kind of led me back to um, a service on Wednesday nights we do kids small groups, and we do, and we just got finished doing a series called Getting Flipped for Jesus, and it was a 10-week series, and um, at the end of the 10 weeks, we got to the ninth week, and on the ninth week, we asked the kids um, to accept Jesus to be their forever friend. You know, um, not their best friend, because there's a difference there. And for a forever friend. And so we did that, and the kids chose that. It was awesome. It was a great night. And I'm like, what's going to be next week? Okay, because that was like the, the view, yeah, you know, the finale. Why did they put 10 weeks to this series? So as I started preparing for the 10 weeks, and then I, I read it, and it was the escape of Peter from prison. And I was like, wow, wow, is this, where is this going? And then... Studied it more and got into it, and it was about the early church and how the church itself, after you accept Christ and you know Christ and everything, there, we have a responsibility as a church to come alongside you and encourage you. And so what happened with Peter there is that Peter was freed from prison, not on his own doing. It was the church that was praying for him. And so that's what, and after I saw it, I was like, whoa, I've never read that before. That is awesome. I want to, that's something I want to share. What is, what was so great about the early church? I want to know more about the early church and, and how that applies and, and how it applies here to us here at Highlands. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to be talking about the um, New Testament church and how that applies to the church of today. 
So if you guys have your Bibles, they look like this, um, <laughs> you can turn with me to Acts. It's in, I tell the kids it's in the New Testament. It's towards the back of the Bible. And um, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And if you do not have a Bible, we have plenty of them, and we'd love to give you one. And it begins like this. A glance into what the early church was all about. So it, the number one, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, you might say to okay, well, what does that mean? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They did what you're doing right here, right today. You know, the apostles were alongside of Jesus, and they would talk, and they would give talks, and then the people around them, the early church, would come and listen to them. So exactly what you're doing today is exactly what they were doing at the early church. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The next thing that they did is they... But they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now, kids, that's an interesting word. Fellowship is hanging out, just hanging out with one another. It's like me and Jill, we like to hang out a lot. You know, we like to hang out at probably work. We work a lot together. And, and sometimes, like, you know, Graham's like, get to work, girl. Stop fellowshipping so much. <laughs> and so it's true. And then, so that's what fellowship is, hanging out with one another, enjoying each other's company. And so that's the, one of the traits of the early church. The next thing is to the breaking of bread. And that means we're not breaking bread. It actually means eating together. That's like, you know, my second favorite thing after talking would be eating. <laughs> and so, um, and a lot of cookies lately for some reason. So, <laughs> and so, so it's breaking the bread, having, having a meal together, enjoying that. They did that a lot in the early church. And then the last thing was to, and to prayer, coming to God with every request, thanksgiving, praise. They did that often, always praying, always praying to God because it's a relationship between you and God. And then, and then it, it kind of goes on in here and selling the possession, blah, blah. And then it goes to, and then the Lord added to their, and it, well, I, I kind of skipped some things here. Blah, blah, blah. Everyone was filled with awe. And so when it got, everyone's filled with awe. I always get to that part, part and I'm like, awe? Wow, whatever it means to be filled with awe. And like, there's a good picture. It's awe. They were filled with awe. There's so much awesome things going on in the early church that they were just awestruck. And then it continues. Not only was awe enough, it continues and goes on. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Well, I got to the word wonders and I kind of started thinking, what is wonder? What is wonder? What does wonder mean? And I'm like, I think I'm going to go look it up in the dictionary. So I went to the dictionary, and they still have those, by the way. Okay. Anyway, so, so uh, I went to the dictionary, opened up, looked at the, up the word wonder, and this is what it said. A feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. I was like, Wow. That is awesome. Not only was the early church filled with awe, which is fantastic, they were also filled with wonder. Things that they were just mingled about, surprise and admiration. And then I started thinking to myself, I was like, well, how can I relate to that word wonder? How could that be? And, I, and then I thought about, when was a time in my life that I was ever, I was totally full of awe and full of wonder at the same time? And, and I thought, oh, it was the birth of my children. That had to be it, you know, because... You don't know it's unexpected when it's your first child. You don't know it's very unfamiliar, and then it's unexplainable, you know, and you're just in that sense of 
all wonder, what do I do? Um, you know, it's just a great thing. And so, um, and so God goes on and he finishes off in, in, Paul, in his writing here and he says, and then the Lord added to their, uh, to their numbers daily. They were doing all these things and God added to their number, to their, their group daily and daily and those were being saved and all those are being saved. And that is so so cool. I mean, this text is about this big in my Bible. And I think from that much of a text, we actually get to glimpse at what the early church was like, what we are called to be as a church. A lot of churches use this text for their missions, and we even have it a part of our mission statement. And so it's a very, it's a very awesome text. And if we hold true, though, the power that is in this, um, that if we can understand what the early churches, and and we understand the power that is given to us, then it holds true to the saying from Pastor Bill Hybels. He is a a wonderful pastor of Willow Creek in Chicago, and he said this. He said, the local church is the hope of the world, and its future rests primarily in the hands of its leaders. Whoa, what a responsibility. Now, we know Jesus Christ is our hope. That's the only reason why we're here and everything is doing, what we're doing, but the church can provide an amazing hope for this world. And so what you're doing and what this early Testament church was doing and, and, given, and we hear about and we read about, was it brings hope. It brings hope into the world. And so I want to share with you a few things that made the New Testament church, by the way, the best church, the most amazing church around. And um, there's four things, and they all start with P. So, <laughs> and so the first one is they had great purpose. They were a church on a mission. Now, I wanted to use the word mission, but it didn't rhyme with my, all my other P's, so that's why we purpose. So, <laughs> so they are a church with a, they had great, great purpose. Because see, in Acts 2.42, God said, this is what happened. Well, what happened before? How did they come, become that great church? Well, then you got to flip back a couple chapters to chapter 1 through 8, or, one, or chapter Acts 1, 4, and this is what Jesus says to them. And this church, let me tell you, they had great mission. They were, their mission was this, before I go to Acts 1, 4, their mission was this. They were going to be obedient to the Savior. They were focused on their mission. They were going to be obedient to the Savior. So in order to do this, they wanted to fulfill their mission. This is Acts 1, Jesus says to them, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. They were focused on their on their mission. Now, a lot of you might be saying, okay, so they were at the early church. They had just seen Jesus beaten. They had just seen him rise again. He come and met, met him again. And here they are. There's about 120 of them, followers all together. And Jesus now tells them to go and wait in, in a room for who knows how long. And so whenever I tell this story to the kids, I'm like, okay, so they were up in the room, and guess how long they waited? And they're like, a day, two days, you know, a half hour, 30 minutes, you know? <laughs> and I tell the kids, no, guess what? They waited for 40 
days. Could you wait for 40? Could you be that obedient that you could wait for 40 days? And then the little kid comes up. He said, Katie, I can't even wait in my room an hour when I'm grounded. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. I said, I know. They waited for 40 days not even knowing, but just being obedient to the Savior to fulfill their mission and their purpose. They waited, and they waited, and they waited, and guess what happened? The kids are like, what? What happened? Because they knew they were going to receive a gift because that's what God said. Jesus said, wait, and you'll receive a gift. And they said, and I said, what gift do you think they got? And the kids are like, they got an Xbox 360 for sure. And I was like, okay, we're talking about a long time ago, kids. They don't think they had them then. You know, and then, then, then the little kid will say, they got a new car. They got a new house. They got the, you know, the thing. And I said, no, guess what they got? And they're like, what, 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 what? They got the gift of God himself. And they're like, what? And I said, yes, and it is available to each one of you. It's, it's because they were obedient, because he had great purpose, because they waited for 40 days, God sent himself in spirit form to be with them. And there, all of a sudden, you could hear a pin drop in the room, and their ears are like, you know, and you are telling me, Miss Katie, that God himself lives in spirit form inside of me. I said, yes, if you're willing to receive it. And then they go, and then I tell them, let me tell you, when God comes in you and lives within you, you're going to have great power. You're going to have superpower. You're going to have wonderful power. And you know what? And he's also going to comfort you. He's going to guide you. He's going to lead you. He's going to be there for you. And they're just, oh, you're, this is awesome. This is really cool. That's, a, that's the best gift ever, huh, Katie? Yeah, it's a pretty good gift, isn't it? You know? And so um, now God didn't just leave, leave that, leave that there. He didn't say, okay, now be obedient. And they are obedient. And then now here, receive my gift. And they receive their gift. And then God says, now I want you to do something with that gift. So in Acts 1.8, Jesus says to them, he says this, once you receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What a mission, what a purpose. They had this great thing. Now, now that they had been so obedient to the purpose and the mission, now they were able to take that power they received, God himself, and spread the word of God to all Samaria, Judea, Jerusalem, all over because of their obedience to God. And the, that was for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. That was super cool. So that's the first thing. They had that, the early church, they had great purpose. Now the second thing they had that we just learned, they had great power. They had amazing power. I love this. Now that they had Got fo they were focused, and now they had their power. They're spreading out to Judea and Samaria and everywhere. And then let me tell you something about the power they had. Because a lot of people are like, well, there's that power there. The kids like, is that really? Yes. The same power that was given to them on the day of Pentecost is the same power that rescued Daniel from the lion's den. It's the same power that separated the Red Sea. It's the same power that freed the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. It's the same power with the paralytic on the mat that was lowered through the roof that was healed. It's the same power. And not only is it the same, it's also the same power that freed Peter from prison, the exact same power. 
It is just amazing to watch God's power in the church work within that power to help heal people. Heal people, save people, bring them to, to him. And so you might be saying, and, and usually kids, they question me a lot, and I allow, I totally allow it. I think it's like, great. When they're asking questions, I'm like, yeah, it's sinking in. And so um, they would, so after the, we talked about Peter and his escape from prison, a kid asked me and said, okay, Kitty, that's the story. <laughs> okay, he's, there's Roman soldiers, and it was a teen, so they're a little bit smarter. And so there's the Roman soldiers all over um, Peter when he's in prison. I know this because I've studied this. So there's no way that Peter was able to escape. I said, it says it in the Bible. And you know what it says also? It says because of the power of prayer that his home church, his church that Peter had, was praying for him, he walked out of it. And the kid's like, I still don't believe you. I said, then I got a story for you. <laughs> so here's my story. I said, in 2004, a fellow is a Christian. He's in um, China. His name is Brother Yen. Here's a picture of him. And he wrote a book called The Heavenly Man. It's a biography of his life. It's absolutely fantastic. And he was, he was just on fire for God. And now I tell you, if you go to China and you think you're going to bring your Bible, not a good idea. Not a good idea at all. And so he was just his mission in life, Brother Yin, and still is, to, is to fulfill God's key, is to purposes, just to let everybody know of Jesus Christ. And so he was doing this, and they found out about him, and they put him in prison, and back, you know, they beat him, they did a bunch of things to him, and then they figured out the Chinese government said, he's really not a threat to us, let's just let him go. So they let him go, and he went back to his thing, and they said, stop what you're doing. Well, you think he stopped? No, <laughs> he didn't stop. He continued doing what he was doing, and he spread the word, and he, God was with him. The power was with him. Growth was going all over China. People were getting saved. It was awesome. Well, the government gets wind of what he's doing again, and guess what happens? They find Brother Yen. They find him, and this time you talk about torture. It is amazing what kind of torture he faced. And they put him back into prison. They put him in the highest security prison they have there in China. I think it's in a town called Henan. And they put him in there, and they uh, locked him in solitary confinement, basically just a teeny cell, maybe the size of this little piece of the stage here. And there he was. Now, Brother Yen was... <laughs> full of the spirit, so many times they would just, they would shove like bread and water underneath his cell door and he wouldn't eat it. He would just be fasting and um, just remarkable sitting there praising God. They would beat him more. What they wanted out of him, they wanted him to let them know where all the churches were that he had started underground. And so they were trying to get the information. Well, he wasn't about to give it to him at all. And um, one day he's in his cell. This is a year after he's been Every day, daily torture. Soon cell, and God speaks to him and says, Brother Yen, I want you to get up and walk out of the prison cell. <laughs> and this is great because he is, I, I consider him, whoa, holy, you know, what is this remarkable? And he argues with God. I'm like, yeah, okay. Because <laughs> I argue with, so anyway, so he, he starts arguing with God. He's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm in the highest maximum security prison right now in China. I have... I'm in solitary confinement. I have guards 24-7 on my cell, and there is absolutely no way that I can walk out of here. And again, what does God do? Mm, I guess you didn't hear me. So 
And again, he says, Brother Yen, I want you to get up and walk out. And that time, Brother Yen knew it was God's speak. He was like, okay, I'm going to be obedient. Obedient to mission. And so he gets up and he opens his door. And, he's, and in the book, he explains, he opens the door and he's like, what? And then he looks down the hall and he looks down the hall and he's like, oh my gosh, let's go. And so he starts, you know, he's taking off and he's taking off and he's like, there should have been guards there. I don't know why they weren't there. I don't know why my cell was open. It's never open. They lock in. And then he goes in and he, and he tra- travels down the thing and then he gets inside the courtyard. There's a, and you know how the, the walls are up high and then they look down upon you and, and he's like, I'm not going to make it through. There's snipers. They're just going to shoot me right here. They see me going down. And he just, do 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 scurries away and he makes it to the front of the building of the prison building and he gets to the front of the prison building and he has to go through all the doors all the you know this is 2004 they have doors and locks and everything you know and he makes it through open 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 and he walks out the front doors of the prison and it's right on a main street i wish we had pictures but it's right on a main street in china and he walks right out there, and there's a yellow taxi cab sitting right out there. I am not kidding you. And there's a yellow taxi cab, and he opens the door. The taxi cab driver goes, Brother Yen, get on in. He gets in. He is free. He escapes. For, and you know what? His churches were praying earnestly for him day after day after day. So the power that was given to Daniel Meisden same power that was happening in 2004 that freed Brother Yen from prison. Same story, sort of like Peter's escape. It still happens today. So the power, the people had great, great power. The early church, and we do now. (laughs) We still have that. Now the third thing is the early church had great people. They had super people. They had people that were like, Peter, Andrew, James, and Don, Fisherman, okay, Bernard, Thomas, Anthony, Matthew. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what I sing with the kids, and we get going. We can sing all the 12 disciples. Anyway, so we sing it, and they, all these guys, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, Fisherman, they drop their necks. You know, Thomas, Anthony, and Matthew, too. They were, some were tax collectors, like, dropped their things. They just followed Jesus. They wanted to help spread the early church. Now, we here at Highlands are not going to make you quit your jobs. <laughs> to be, <laughs> to get this, we understand that you just need to keep a job in order to do things and all that. But it was just what was so cool about it. And so what I think what God is trying to do when he, he had great people in this is that we have people that are amazing here at Highlands. They give their time. They volunteer we love them immensely. They are what makes up the church because let me tell you people, it's not about the building. It is about the people that make a great church. So anyway, so then I'm, so I started thinking on the children's ministry. It is hard down there in children's ministry. It is like, you know, duck and dive, you know, sometimes, <laughs> you know. So my volunteers down there, they're just fantastic. The youth ministry. You saw Gino over here. We love you, Gino. And <laughs> he's here every Tuesday night playing football with those teenagers that, you know, they're just dropped off. They just don't know nothing about God, and they're just hearing God. You know, it's good. And, you know, and... uh and so it's great to be around the youth and the children. And I, went, I was at a conference with Graham and our staff, and we had this speaker come, and his name was Wes Stafford. 
just amazing guy. And he spoke about this guy named D.L. Moody. And he was an 1800 evangelist. And he said this to his wife one night. He, would, he came home after preaching. Here is the picture. And <laughs> he came home after preaching. And he got into bed totally exhausted. And his wife, Emma, rolled over and said, hey, how'd it go tonight? How was the service? And he goes, well, I got two and a half converts. And she's like, oh, how sweet. What was the kid's name? And he looks at her and he's like, no, no, no. The two were the kids. The half was an adult. (laughs) You see? Because kids have their entire journey left. Adults were just halfway done. (laughs) you know so the difference that you're doing you know and the difference that oh my can if i can name a hundred a thousand that you're doing down in children and youth ministry is making a difference now not only the people that serve in children and youth ministry make a difference but also our people who mow the lawn bill thank you so much he comes out here every week and brings his tractor and mows this whole lawn and tells me I better not put a single thing on it. And I mean, <laughs> it's fantastic what you do matters, Bill. You know, those who fold the bulletins every week, they're in there folding their bulletins, having a little fellowship, little breaking of bread. You matter. Those of you on connections that come here and serve, that do that, you matter. You are valued. We love you. That's what makes this church. That's what makes it. And as I was ta- preparing this, I was talking to Graham, and he's like, you got to put a story in there about a volunteer. I'm like, okay, how can I pick out one volunteer? He's like, just do it. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. So, uh, so I found, I, about six months ago, I had the opportunity from the school district. They called me, which is interesting, and they said, we'd like you to come, if you can, to our junior highs and speak with our girls on uh, maybe twice a week if we could have you just come and just, you know, a place that we call, that we call it Girl Talk and just have a safe place for the girls to come and, you know, talk about their issues. It's really hard for sixth graders, seventh, eighth graders. It's a, it's a real um, time of uh, transition, let's say. If anybody knows sixth, seventh, eighth graders, it's a transition time. Their brain is here, their hormones are here, and everything's here. And so... Um, so anyway, so we're like, I'm like, sure, I'd love to do it. I'd absolutely love to do it. But I'm not doing it alone. There's no way I can do this alone. And so I went to my friend, and I went over to Ione Harrington, and I said, hey, Ione, what you doing on Mondays and Fridays? Hmm? She's like, why? And I'm like, <laughs> I have this thing called that the, the, the schools want us to do, and we're a church. They never ask a church to come into school, you know, and they, will, they want us to come in and do this thing called girl talk, and we talk to girls. This is her response. Okay, I just have to show you because it's hilarious. You have to know I She goes, yes! <laughs> and she jumps up, and I'm like, you're perfect. It's going to be awesome. So here's a volunteer, Ione Harrington, who totally takes out probably five hours of her week, a good five hours of her week in the middle of the day um, to come and do this, to be there for the girls, you know, just be just the church, just to go out and do that. And the, the um, last Friday, right before we left for Christmas break, um, I was happened to be standing next to her and this girl comes up to her and these are 
teenagers, you know? <laughs> like, oh. And then she's like, and we had given them hot chocolate, and that was a mistake. And so uh, they're just bouncing all over the walls, and she comes up to Ioni's face, and she's like right in her face, and she's like, Ioni, Ioni, and Ioni's like, yes, yes. And she was like, what am I going to do? And I was about what? What's wrong, honey? She goes, I don't know what I'm going to do without you for two weeks. Aww. I was standing back there. I was like, oh, oh, God, this is what you do. You know, I only didn't know that, you know, when she said yes. But she said yes, and God takes over. And so that's what's so cool. I just want to tell you, you guys are great people. And that's what you make this great church. And so um, the last thing this morning is the fourth thing that the New Testament church is and what we try to model after is they had great promise. Now, you might be saying, what are you talking about, Katie? Great promise. They had great promise. Well, in the Bible, I know it's kind of hard when we read the Bible, it seems like there's a lot of commands, doesn't there? Like, you better do this or else, you better do that or else, and you're like, ah. And so, and especially with the kids, I explain in stories to them and things like that, and I'm like, obey your parents, you know? <laughs> and they're like, oh. And I said, you know why? Because it says in the Bible, when God gives a command, there's always a promise. And the promise is this, if you obey your parents, your days will be many. And they're like, what? Okay. <laughs> Let's clean my room when I get home, you know? And so that's just so cool. And then I said, but that's just not where it ends. And here's my great promise to you. Not my promise, God's promise to you guys. And I say that to the kids and, I, and, and adults. I love to hear this too. His best promise I love in the Bible is this. He says, I promise you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I don't know about you, when I hear those words, <laughs> and when kids hear those words, when they're four, five, 13, when they think everybody's forsaken them, they hear that word and they, they are just silent. They're silent. They're like, are you sure, Katie, it says that in the Bible? I said, I am absolutely sure. God promised you he will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is a great promise, isn't it? And that's not only just the promise for the early church. That is a promise for our church today. Right here, right now. What we're doing, following our mission, using the power that God gives us, being a great people, and knowing that God will never leave us nor forsake us. That is awesome. And I just want to say, those are just four characteristics. I mean, we could go on, but then we'd be like, P, B, P, 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 and then it wouldn't be good. But um, <laughs> those are just four characteristics of what made the early church so great. They were so great. They were the best church around. They were so great. They were totally relevant to the people. And, the, and they were totally powerful. And I am immensely overjoyed to be a part of this church and to see what God's doing amongst his people and watch people come in there. Thing. It's just really cool. And how we, help, help, how we model the early church and all of its power and everything that is in there for us. So um, let me pray for you guys before we send you out today. Lord God, I just thank you so much for Peter's 
little thing, escape from prison. I mean, it's just amazing. And it led us to the early church and how we here at Highlands desire, Lord God, to fulfill those, to have a great purpose, to be obedient to you, Lord God, to be filled with your power, to be a great church that's just serving the community, serving one another, and we love our volunteers, Lord God. And our fourth thing is thank you for the promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And we ask this all in the name of your, say, your mighty son, Jesus. Amen.